Welcome back to the Collegiate Chaos Podcast. We are back after a long hiatus. It's February 19th, Friday, our new Showtime Drop. I'm Sam Ostry, joined here by with uh, Matt Levine and Ben Dixon. The college hoop season is in full swing. We have a lot to get to with conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament, which is happening this year, approaching. How are we doing? Doing well, doing well. I'm happy to be back. Uh, it's been a while, but College basketball season in full throttle. It's my, it's my favorite season to talk about, so I'm happy to be back with the boys. Like Ben said, favorite season. Let's get after it. Let's do it. So, I mean, we have a lot to get to. We'll preview some big matchups this weekend. We'll give you our picks of the week. We're going to start with a um, discussion on Maryland basketball. So, I mean, 13-10 right now, three-game winning streak, the longest win streak of the season, two big wins over Nebraska back-to-back on um, Tuesday and Wednesday this week, which... Matt Levine right here was on the call for doing a great job. And so we have a, we play Rutgers, Maryland plays Rutgers coming up. Where, where do we see Maryland right now in terms of NSA tournament bid, valuing our season, 23 games in, what are we looking at? I mean, right now I can't really remember a Maryland season like this. I've been watching the team my whole life. Um, there's been games where we've taken down top five teams on the road, and there's been games where we've laid duds against teams that are, uh, equal to us in terms of competition or potentially worse. But you look at this team right now, 13-10, and 7-9 in the Big Ten. Right now, they are on the right side of the bubble. They have one of the most strongest strengths of schedule in the country. And I think they're, they have four wins, in, four quad one wins, and all their losses are quad one losses. So they don't have a single bad loss in the season. And you look at this team right now, obviously two games against Nebraska – uh, sitting there at the bottom of the Big Ten, and then the w- big win against Minnesota before that. Who, by the way, we can talk about that in a little bit. The Terps own Minnesota, but that's a different thing. Um, but you look at Maryland right now. Aaron Wiggins potentially playing the best ball of his career in a Terps uniform. You got Eric Ayala playing great. He had uh, a career high twenty four points against Nebraska in Wednesday's win. Uh, right now, uh, the team's clicking. I mean, three game win streak. It's the first time they've what won two games back to back in the Big Ten so far. So they appear to be heading in the right direction. Uh, I'm hoping for a competitive game Saturday at Rutgers. Uh, it's not a game you have to win. would be a huge win if you did. I'm hoping that the Terps look good and uh, they actually have built some momentum off this three-game win streak. Yeah, like you said, Ben, I think Sunday's game against Rutgers is a game that if Maryland loses, it doesn't look bad, and if they win, it looks phenomenal. So you can look at you could look at the mindset saying, oh, we have nothing to lose, but at the end of the day, they, they Maryland should still go in there and, try to give it to the Scarlet Knights and split that series because the first Big Ten game that Maryland played this year was against Rutgers when they were 19th in the country, and I think that was a 14-point loss uh, back in December. Yeah, 74-60. to 60. And it's just been such a crazy season since then. If you just look at three straight losses for Maryland in the middle of that Big Ten schedule, then they come back, beat ranked teams on the road, just – like, it's, it's literally, you look at their record and you look at the resume and it doesn't match up at all. Four ranked wins, three on the road. Like, that's a really solid resume. And they're playing the, arguably one of the toughest uh, toughest schedules in the toughest conference in the country. So, it's it just doesn't really make any sense how their record, I mean, it does make sense, but the, the, the resume is so much better than their record shows. And I think that picking up these wins at the end of the season is exactly what they need to cement themselves in the tournament. Because right now they're on the right side of the bubble after the three wins. They were on the wrong side of it going into Minnesota after the Ohio State loss. And they moved all the way up to one of the last four teams to get a bye. 
uh, into the tournament. So they'd probably be a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament right now. But I think the four games approaching, if they lose one of them, it has to be the Rutgers game, and they have to beat Michigan State Northwestern. I think Penn State is a game that really is a must-win because they just got – that was probably the worst game of the season in terms of Big Ten play, uh, being so flat up in Happy Valley a couple weeks ago and losing by five when Ayala scored, uh, which is career high then, was 23. But it's, it's, it just doesn't they, – they need to just pick up these wins against these weaker teams – and I think they're peaking at the right time. Wiggins, as you said, is playing the best basketball of his career. And it's starting to really show that Maryland's separating themselves from the bottom of the conference. Um, like a team like Minnesota, who is proving that they're really not legit. They haven't won a game on the road all year. I don't even know if they'll make the tournament anymore. Uh, but Nebraska is the bottom feeder of the conference. Maryland beat them twice pretty handily. And now it's time for Maryland to go on to the next four games and show they can beat the unranked teams too. Uh, and, and that'll really give them a much better record to match their, their good resume. Yeah, I mean, I get why Maryland fans would be frustrated right now at this point of the season, only 13-10. Maybe there's wins earlier in the year that we thought that a lot of the team thought they would pick up. They just didn't. But right now, when you're looking at this team, they're in a good position to make the tournament. And they really do control their own destiny. You, I mean, you said it, Matt. In almost every bracketology prediction, they're one of the last four teams in, sometimes um, one of those last four buys. And like the red, their resume is good enough. They have one of the hardest strength of schedules in the best conference. I really think there's going to be ten, at least 10 Big Ten teams in the NSA tournament this year, and we'll talk about um, some conference debates later on. But they, they have one of the hardest strengths of schedule. They... Um, they have plenty of ranked wins, and I saw this stat yesterday. Over the past two seasons, there's only three um, teams that have at least 20 wins against quad two, three, and four teams. It's Gonzaga, Kansas, and Maryland over the last two seasons. I mean, they take care of business when they need to against these lesser opponents. So, I mean, that's it counts for something. That That's something the, um, the committee wants to see. And so I think they really control their own destiny. They have used Penn State's an absolute must-win. I know... Penn, like before these two Nebraska games against Maryland, Penn State was ahead in a lot of um, bracketology predictions of Maryland. I think after these two Nebraska wins, Maryland moved ahead, but they need to beat Penn State. They have Michigan State, Northwestern, not great teams. Rutgers would really just be an icing, um, would be a cherry on the on the top of the cake if they can pick that win up. But against these last four games, they control their destiny and. I think they're going to get into the tournament as long as there's not an epic collapse, which there very well could be knowing Maryland basketball. Definitely could happen, and um, Penn State's one of those teams where with a, with a bad record, uh, the analytics still love them, which is why they've been on the bubble. And for me, you look at Maryland, there's one of these teams every year, it feels like, where they're above 500 in general, they have some great wins, really not any bad losses, and but they're below 500 in their own conference, which Maryland's 7-9. and nine. Uh, it's looking like they they go three and one in their last four games, which would probably be best case scenario. They're ten and ten in the conference, so they'd be five hundred in conference. Um, I know there's a lot of, there's been a lot of debate in the past and years past about teams being five hundred or below in their conference, actually making the tournament as an at large bid. Uh, in Maryland's case this year, with how the Big Ten shapes up, I don't think that really should matter. I think the resume speaks for itself right now. Like Sam said, um, we do control our own uh, destiny, or the Terps control their own destiny. And 
it's tough. I mean, we just got to see how the last four games play out in the beginning of the Big Ten tournament. I think the Terps definitely have to finish strong, and the schedule shapes up in a way where they could. And you mentioned the Big Ten tournament. I think winning at least three or losing one of the next four games, that would allow them to go 6-1 and one in the last seven games of the season. I think they can afford a first-round exit in the Big Ten tournament. But if they lose two the rest of the way and go 500 in the next four games, they have to win one of those Big Ten tournament games. And it's going to be tough. I mean, they're going to have to travel to Indiana. That's where it's being held. And maybe the Terps will make a run. Who knows? And they'll end up staying there all the way through the NCAA tournament. But I think right now, if the season ended today, they'd be the nine seed, which would get a first-round bye. Um, and then they'd have to play the eight seed, Indiana. Whoever wins that would have to play Michigan right now. So it, it's it's going to be hard. They already played Indiana this season. They lost. That was another game where pretty much everybody struggled except for Aaron Wiggins. And it, it's it's been up and down all season, but the consistency is starting to, to really show itself at the end of the year. And I think that's it, it's coming at the perfect time if you're Maryland uh, and wanting to make a run for the tournament. you got to beat these, these weaker teams. 100%. And the consistency is coming in the defense. I mean, their defense has been terrific all year. You really can't count on their offense night in to night out, whether it's make shots from the outside or Wiggins has been playing well, but Dante Scott started off the year well. He hasn't been as hot as he was to start the year. You really can't rely on too many players on for Maryland on the offensive side of the ball. So it's really their defense. It's been consistent. And when they're holding teams below 60 or in the um, 50s and the low 60s, they're, they're going to win games even against these stronger opponents. 100%. The offense is inconsistent, like you said. But I think it's very clear watching this team all season. The Terps are the best on the offensive side of the ball when they're driving towards the hoop. When Wiggins is going to the hoop, when Ayala is going to the hoop. But Wiggins especially, because he's a great driver. When he plays aggressive, that's when he can score around the hoop. His mid-range game is on, unbelievable. Absolutely. So when he goes to the hoop, it either creates for an opportunity for himself or an opportunity for a guy like Ayala in the corner for three, uh, Hamilton for three, who's been one of the most steady shooters recently. He hit great games against Nebraska from three. But... I think a key for this Terps team going forward, especially on the offensive side of the ball, is continue driving to the hoop. I know the offense does get stagnant sometimes, but to have consistency, have consistency you got to keep going to the hoop because uh, that's that's where great things happen. And you talk about that defense, Sam. Marcel seems to be just the, the engine and, and the key to that that drives this defense every season of his career. And everybody around the country talks about him being a glue guy, but I, I keep saying it, he's more than that. And he just started his 100th career game and scored his 1,000th career point as well. 19th player in Maryland history to start 100 games and the 56th player in the 1,000-point club as a Terrapin. So he's not just doing it defensively. His offense has taken this crazy jump from when he was a freshman, struggled to shooting the ball, and now he's, he's shooting from the mid-range really, really well and a lot better than he was when he was a younger player. Uh, and I, I think when you talk about it, Ben, going to the basket, I don't think anybody does it better than Marcel in terms of just attacking 100%. off the dribble, going with aggressiveness. He's not afraid of anybody. It could be Luca Garza down there, Hunter Dickinson. Marcel's going right at the big guys every single time. And if all these guys keep meshing together the way they are, especially in that game Wednesday against Nebraska, where they really didn't have a low post presence they haven't had it all season, but Galen Smith was phenomenal against Minnesota, struggled in the two games against Nebraska, only played 11 minutes in each of those. And when you don't have that low post presence, you got to look for your shooters. And uh, Ayala and Wiggins were lights out in the second game against Nebraska. Uh, both 
Wiggins tying his career high, Ayala setting a new one in points. And it's guys that need to realize they're taking a backseat offensively when you're, those two guys are cooking that well. And Dante Scott did that. Marcel did that. And they, they just find the open guy. The assists were there. The rebounds were there. They're, they're contributing elsewhere. And I think that's what's so important right now is just moving the ball. And when you're not the one scoring, you don't have to take the shot. And they're realizing that right now against Nebraska, at least. Earlier in the season, we saw so much stagnant offense of just who's going to shoot. They're just going to hold the ball, try to take it one-on-one. And it was really selfish. But now I think we're starting to see a selfless offense that is moving the ball tremendously. There was probably, I could say, four possessions in the second game against Nebraska where it was the most ball movement I've seen from this team all season. And they find an open guy for three, and he knocks it in wide open. Like, that, that's just basketball. And you look at the best teams in the country, Michigan, Gonzaga, they pass the ball so well. Quick, just one second, give it up, and that's what Maryland needs to start doing here because it really worked. When you have those two guys scoring and that are scorching hot, find them open, just pass the ball around quickly and cut to the basket, and you have somebody open every single time. Yeah, you're 100% correct about that. I mean, you guys know I've been doing these Maryland film breakdowns. I've watched a ton of Maryland basketball film this season, and earlier on in the year, it was ridiculous watching their offense, and it was incredibly frustrating, too, how little they would cut, screen away, create any movement. It was literally five guys standing on the perimeter. Sometimes Gail Smith was in. He would be on the low block, but it was incredibly frustrating to watch. And in recent games, there has been more cutting. I've been noticing there's been a lot more sets um, called for Aaron Wiggins to get going, which has helped him a lot coming off down screens, on ball screens, all that. So, I mean, it's it's there's been improvement in their off- offense in terms of movement. I remember one week in a press conference, Turgeon said, like, it's hard to, I'm calling less plays, less set plays because it's hard when I, I don't have consistent rotations. Now I know he's going to be in, in and out of the lineup. And maybe that was true. And now he has more consistent rotation. Their, their offense is flowing better. All right, so... We're going to get into a conversation here. That's our Maryland talk for the day. We're going to get into a conversation here about the Big Ten or Big 12, which has been a popular um, debate topic this season. Which conference is better? Which one's deeper? Um, yeah, I mean, we can we can free flow from there. What do we think about Big Ten versus the Big 12? Uh, it's, it's, it's such an interesting conversation to have because the Big 12 only has 10 teams, even though they're, big, they're the Big 12 and the Big Ten has 14 teams. Um you look at it, I think, without a doubt, the Big Ten is deeper um, than the Big 12. Obviously, the Big 12 is deep, but in, if you look at Kansas State and Iowa State at the bottom of the conference, I think, North, obviously, Nebraska is terrible. I think Northwestern puts a tougher fight than those teams. And then you look at the th- uh, 13 and 14, uh, excuse me, 12th and uh, 11th teams in the Big Ten, Michigan State and Penn State. Michigan State is still Michigan State. They're still coached by Tom Izzo. Penn State, even though they're 7-11 overall, 4-10 in the conference, they've still put up a tough fight. They beat teams like they beat Maryland. Uh, they, they, they're a very competitive team, even though they lost to Nebraska at home. I'm also a Big Ten homer, so I will support the Big Ten and end the debate here. Does With that said, does the Big 12 have the best team out of these conferences? Undoubtedly, Baylor and Gonzaga are the two best teams in the country, however you want to put them. Uh, Baylor's been one of the best teams we've seen in the past five or so years, even maybe in, even in our lifetime. Baylor's been incredible. But for me, just because they have the best team maybe in the country and out of these two conferences doesn't necessarily mean they're the best conference. And in my opinion, 
the debate will settle itself in March. When we get to the Sioux 16, we'll see how many teams are playing there. So. Yeah, I think you said it best. And you look in the top five right now in the AP poll, there's three Big Ten teams there. Michigan's so three, Ohio State's four, and Illinois' five. I know Texas was up there at one point, and it doesn't matter anymore. I think the debate's over to me. Big Ten's a lot deeper. I mean, you talk about Baylor obviously being one of the best teams in the in the country right now, playing unbelievable basketball. Uh, but I wonder if Baylor was in the Big Ten, what would happen? Because it seems like the trend, even last year too, like the bottom just eats the top, and the top is always vulnerable to lose in the Big Ten. But right now it seems like there's just so many good teams. And I don't know if – I mean – Ben, I know you think Michigan's great. I don't know. But I, I think I've I mean, I don't like Michigan personally, but I've been on the Michigan is a great team train since the beginning. Um, I th- I think even like star power in the Big Ten is better. When you obviously you look at Baylor, they have they have some of the best players in the country, Jared Butler and everything going on there, but like Io DeSumo, Luca Garza, those are two players that I think would win national player of the year. Hundred percent. And you look at Michigan, top top to bottom, every team is just so good. And it, it's every night something crazy can happen in this conference. And I think with three teams in the top five this week, I'm saying this week the Big Ten's better. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a complicated conversation to have about who, which team, which conference is better, the Big Ten or the Big 12. Because, I mean, I don't think there's a question in anyone's mind that in terms of depth and like overall deepness of the conference that – the Big Ten is absolutely better. But when it comes to the top of a conference, I mean, you could Baylor's easily the best team. But beyond 100%. Baylor, yeah, but there's be, different ways to look at it. 100%. But even beyond Baylor, like West Virginia, Texas, like I could make an argument those teams are right there with beyond Michigan, who's the best team in the Big Ten right now, with right there with Ohio State, um, Illinois, Iowa. Like I could even say the top four teams in the Big 12 are better than the Big Ten. But when it comes to depth and like, you know, the ACC does that um, little challenge with the Big Ten every year at the beginning of the season where every ACC team plays a Big Ten team. If that were to happen with the Big 12 and Big Ten, the Big Ten would easily dominate that. I think so, too. They would win a hundred more games, no doubt. But there, there is an argument made that the best four teams in the Big 12 are better than the best four in the Big Ten, which, which people could argue that the conference is better, but there's no doubt the depth of the Big Ten is better. They'll have more... Um, uh, tournament teams, and when, like you said, when it comes to Sweet 16, I think they'll have more Sweet 16 teams as well. Right, and Matt, you made the note about the talent, individual talent in both conferences. You look at the Ken Palm Player of the Year standings, the Big Ten has five players. Yeah, that's good. Luca Garza at one, Ayo Sumo at four, Trace Jackson Davis at six, Travion Williams of Purdue at eight, and Hunter Dickinson at ten. The Big 12 only has one, Jared Butler at three, who's an unbelievable player at Baylor. I mean, he's, he's the, the, team, the team will go as far as he does. But yeah, I mean, you you look at you look at the Big Ten with those those five guys. The individual talent is just it, it really is unbelievable. And the Kempon Player of the Year standings obviously only says so much. But based off analytics, uh, the Big Ten does have five of the top ten players in the country, which is a crazy thing to say. Now you mentioned all the star power. I have to bring this up. Big Ten Player of the Year. I think it's time to start talking about Io Desumu being better than Luca Garza for this award. Mm. Uh, I don't know. About I think that. nobody's I think, ready to say it yet. I think I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to say that they're both unanimous uh, first team All Big Ten uh, players and yeah. probably first team All American players. One hundred. But you look at you look at the stats in the country. Luca Garza is leading the country in scoring. Yeah. 
24.7. The next guy isn't even, he's one and a half points off. Max Abrams, Max Abmas from uh, Oral Roberts averaging 23.2. Luka Garza is averaging nearly 25 points as a big man in the Big Ten. I mean, I, I don't know if that's, I can't remember the last time. That's yeah, I, yeah, I, I think, think I, I think he's going to be the player of the year by, by a pretty wide margin. But that's not a slight against Iowa Sumo or anything because Illinois right now is better than Iowa is, and he's been unbelievable, as is Kofi Coburn for Illinois. But, I mean, Iowa's a special talent. We all know that. I think I just think it's probably too little too late for him to actually take over Luka as the Big Ten or National Player of the Year. Yeah, I just show him I think might be the better player. I think he's been incredible this year. I think Illinois is a better team than Iowa. But I'm still going with Luka Garcia. I think he's the Big Ten Player of the Year and the National Player of the Year. Agree with Dixon, who just said that. But ah, uh, yeah. So oh. now it's staying tough. staying on this Big Ten discussion, and we've we've talked about the tournament a little bit, the NCAA tournament. Which teams do you think can get to the distance here in the Big Ten? In the Big Ten, I, th- I think there's only two teams that can win it all. To be honest with you, Michigan. Or we're going to get into that debate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, we, we know that in the Big Ten uh, to get to the Final Four. To get to the Final Four, I think. I think you're looking at a number of teams that can do it. I think Michigan can do it. I think all it takes is one run. To get to, get to the Final yeah, Four, you have, to win. you have to win four games. Ago. It's possible. I think the teams that are best positioned to do it, Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio State, and I think the other team that you say could make it is Iowa, while they are struggling right now. On the defensive side of the ball, I do not think they're good enough to make the Final Four right now. But with that said, they can score 90 on anyone in any given moment. And to win four games, assuming one of them is going to be against a mid-major team in the first round, let's let's say they win that, they got to win three more games against power conference or upper-level mid-major teams, which they can do. They just got to they got to show that they want to play defense. I know a bunch of us have seen some film where it seemed like defensive effort was lacking or defensive scheme, whatever it was from Fran McCaffrey and the Iowa Hawkeyes. If they can play defense, they can make the Final Four. I'm not ready to, to send them there yet. They're not ready to send any of the Big Ten teams there yet, but I think. Um, Probably Illinois is probably the biggest threat in the Big Ten to make the Final Four for me, and I think Michigan and Ohio State fall right after. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm as high as anybody on Illinois right now. I think they have the best one-two punch in the in maybe in the country. It's a great win for Maryland. I mean, you talk about yeah, you talk about Gonzaga having like all this. I mean, it's just it's crazy. I think they might. I want to see that Kentucky team from 2015 against this Gonzaga team now, but that's another thing. But uh, I think when you talk about Ayadusunlu and Kofi Coburn. And you add in Demonte Williams, who's the best three-point shooter in the country in terms of percentage. You add in Andre Corbello off the bench. Adam Miller, a great freshman. Just, like, it's, it doesn't make any sense how good they are. I just don't get it. I don't understand how this happened because I, I think Io might have just developed into this. He's, he's going to be a phenomenal player. Right. Kofi's also unstoppable in the paint, too. That guy should have at least eight dunks a game. When they can go inside out, you can't even yeah, stop he can't. Kofi underneath. You can't. But you look, you look at real quick, a note about that Maryland win in Illinois. The only reason Illinois lost that game is because they just stopped going Kofi Coburn on the pit. Like, I, it's coaching by Brad Underwood, and they seem to have all the wheels clicking right now. The wheels are rolling, but just just an interesting point there. Yeah, I mean, to just answer that Big Ten question, the only team that I really see going distance right now is Michigan, if I had to use one team from the Big Ten. But the, only, the second team, you just said it, Illinois, that's the team I'm giving the next best chance to. I mean, you... When you talk about, like, yes, anything can happen in the NCAA tournament, when you talk about a team that can go to the Final Four even potentially further, you have to get hot for four, five, six games to win the entire thing. And Illinois is a team that's capable of just turning it on and just having an unreal run. So I can definitely see that. I don't think Ohio State's good enough. Iowa, 
You said that they can put up 90 any given night, but to do that for four straight games to get to the Final Four with playing zero defense, that's pretty much what they've done all year. They're horrible defensively. I don't really give Iowa too much of a shot. So I'm putting Michigan number one and Illinois number two in terms of getting to the in terms of going the farthest in the Big Ten when it comes to it. And we're all at situation. we're all at on Wisconsin, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah I'm, they, I'm not I'm not buying that to be honest. I think the only thing going for them right now is they're just veteran leadership and they've all been there before. And they do have they do have a good senior guard too, and Brad Davison, which can win you some games in the tournament, but I'm not not in on them going to the final four. Nah. At all. Dicks uh Ben, you brought it up earlier. Like you said, the only teams you can see going are Gonzaga or Baylor. Another big topic, debate uh, topic this year has been Gonzaga or Baylor or the field. Like, what are you taking there? For me, the way I look at it, at least one of them, you can not only put it in pencil, you can put it in Sharpie that at least one of those two is going to be in the national championship <laughs> game. If one of them loses, one of those two is going to win the national championship. I'm not saying – right now I think they're on a collision course to play each other in the national championship, but it is March Madness. Anything can happen. I think odds are you'll see one of the teams play another team in the championship, but I just don't see any anyone outside of those two teams winning the national championship, which is so unlikely because I'm such a huge advocate of March <laughs> Madness. But you look at you look at Kempom, for example, adjusted efficiency. Gonzaga's 38.33, Baylor's 34.98, whatever these numbers mean. The next best team in Kempom is Iowa, and there's a huge gap between Baylor and Iowa. So there's... there's it's just, it's remarkable. I mean, I don't even know what to say. Like, these these are the two best teams in the country by such a wide margin. It it really is just, I don't see any other teams making it. And I know March Madness, and I love March Madness, and I love upsets more than anyone else. I just don't don't really see it happening. I think yeah. one of those two teams is, is going to win the national championship. Yeah, but when it comes to Ken Palm rankings, I mean, having Iowa third on that list can be a yeah, little that's, that's just Yeah, that's, that's just all, all <laughs> analytics. But, um, but, yeah, you broke it down right there like there's never been two teams that are just head and shoulders above everyone else in college basketball like they are this year so would it shock anyone if Gonzaga or Baylor were there at the end absolutely not but like we forget sometimes I think we may be a little spoiled because and we took it for granted that we didn't have a March Madness last year so it's been two years since we've seen this whatever you think is going to happen doesn't usually happen in this tournament and yes there haven't been teams as good as Gonzaga or Baylor but that being said, there usually are at least one or two one seeds who make it to the Final Four. I would, like, right now, I would probably take the field between Gonzaga and Baylor. I think Gonzaga is the better team, but Baylor has the better resume right now. Um, I, I think I would take the field right now, but, like, it wouldn't shock me if these two teams are playing each other in the national championship. It wouldn't shock me if they're both in the, if they're both in the Final Four. One of them is obviously going to win it. I expect one of them to be the, in the Final Four. I don't know who it's going to be right now. But I would have to go to the field. I mean, there's there's 60, 68, 7, 66 other teams, 68 total that enter the NCAA tournament. Right. I'm not going to pick, even how good they are, I'm not going to pick two over those other 66. Fair, fair statement. <laughs> what do you think a, a national championship game between the best offense and the best defense in the country would look like? It would be a lot of fun. It would be high scoring, too, <laughs> because I always say good offense beats good defense. Gonzaga is maybe the best offense I've ever seen in college basketball, so... We almost had that matchup yeah, really early on in the season. I know. I, ho- I really hope we get it because <laughs> that, 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 if Gonzaga and Baylor played in the national championship, it would be the, it. And it would, it would literally be the best national championship matchup of our lifetime, probably. Yeah. I mean, if Gonzaga doesn't go to the finals, it is an absolute wasted season. I mean, I mean, go to the final four at least. That would be embarrassing on their part. But yeah, I think they have to win it. 
like win the whole thing. They have to. Mark Few's got to win a championship. This is his year. This is his year. He has to. I mean, he was close against North Carolina a couple years ago. I mean, who would return next year? I don't know what the recruiting class looks like, but Suggs is gone. He's definitely Kispert's gone. gone. Timmy's probably gone. Nemhard's yeah. probably staying. Nemhard's right? probably staying. Watson will probably stay. They'll reload. Like, they're I've, they're I've always good. They're there. always good. Yeah, but this is, I mean, this is the year. This is the year. top five draft prospect and Jalen Suggs. Corey Kispert's a first round pick in my eyes. He's the best shooter in the country. He's unreal. <laughs> they're so good I mean, you know who loves him Jay Billis NBA players this year Jay Billis is all over Corey Kispert he's the best true form shooter in the country he wow. says that every single day Jay Billis <laughs> loves the adjectives that no one else uses <laughs> true form shooter <laughs> alright our next um, topic of discussion here we'll make this one quick is there's been a lot of talk about whether teams should sit out conference tournaments like we're talking about Gonzaga do they have any open winning con- like is there any point of winning conference tournament if you're putting yourself and your team at risk, because if you play that conference tournament and for some reason, or not for some reason, if you get COVID or someone, there's members of your team that have COVID, that's two weeks. You won't be able to go travel to that NCAA tournament in Indianapolis. So, I mean, there's a lot of nuances when it comes to this discussion. It depends on the particular team situation. What, what, what do we think? I mean, I love conference tournaments. I think that's when March Madness starts for me because anything can happen from there. You win your conference tournament, you're in the tournament, no debate from there. Um, the opt-outs is definitely an interesting debate. I think if there's going to be opt-outs, it has to be a whole conference decision. I don't really think it makes sense for the WCC to play their conference tournament and for Gonzaga to just not show. I mean, I don't, I don't really think that's right. I don't think it's fair to the bubble teams to have another WCC team make the tournament with the auto bid. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really a fan of the individual team opt-outs of conference tournaments. I think if they're going to opt-out... The conference has got to do it itself, and I think a week from today, the deadline to decide, February 26th, the is? conference has to decide how they're giving their auto bid um, by then. So, And there's also there's also one more at-large bid this year that we it's uh, kind of been looked over since the Ivy League's not playing. It's another team that gets in the tournament. So sure. it's an interesting point. That's a good, that's a good point. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hard conversation, like, I don't, like, there's no, there's no pride this year, I don't think, in Gonzaga winning their I agree. conference tournament. But that being said, like, it doesn't mean that just because they opt out, it should, the entire tor- conference should be shut down. Yeah, it is unfair that they get that auto bid within their conference tournament, and it's an extra bid away from someone else. But I do understand, like, I still understand that the conference would want to play. Just It shouldn't just be Gonzaga's decision because the rest of the conference would, wouldn't make that call because they would want an extra team, and they would want to crown a championship. But then when it starts to – the discussion goes into teams like in the Big Ten. Like, there is legitimate pride in winning the Big Ten this year. Like, there was no conference tournament last year. This is the best the best conference in the country, like we just settled on. Like, there is legitimate pride in winning that conference tournament. And the Big Ten tournament is in Indianapolis. So I assume everyone who makes that NSA tournament will just stay in Indianapolis. They'll still be in that little bubble. So I wouldn't anticipate COVID being that much of a problem in terms of that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the opt-outs, to be honest. I understand all the medical and all that stuff, but when you're talking about, you, you mentioned it, Sam, the pride of winning your conference tournament to be an automatic bid. And, and Ben, you mentioned, like, if Gonzaga just doesn't show up to the WCC tournament, like, they're obviously going to make the tournament, but somebody else, some other team, probably BYU or St. Mary's, win that tournament, and then they'd also automatically be in, which would then take could, away, take away another from team. Maryland, maybe. Yeah. I don't like it. I, don't, I, don't like it. <laughs> I think like I think 
it has to be a, like you said a full conference decision i don't think just because you're the best team in the com- in the country you automatically going to get in like you you have you you pretty much should be forced to play this ter- this tournament the, the conference tournaments and also if if Gonzaga doesn't want to play in the conference tournament that should be enough for the conference to hear, to hear. just don't play the tournament yeah. like you're going to get enough revenue from Gonzaga making at least the final four anyway this like i don't know it's a tough debate to have. Everything's different in, in the COVID year. So. Yeah. All right, so we're going to get into the games of the weekend now. We will get into a Jalen Johnson discussion a little later when we discuss Duke. But we have an awesome slate of games this weekend. So let's kick it off with Texas Tech go, traveling to Kansas. Who do we like in this one? What are we looking for? Oh, it's tough because anytime you play at Fog Island Fieldhouse, it's a tough place to play. Obviously, they're going to have a limited amount of fans there, but... I'm really, I'm just not a Kansas guy this year. I don't think they're ranked 23rd. I don't even know if they're a top 25 team in the country, honestly. I don't think they are. Um, I mean, they got back in with, they had four wins in a row against, yeah, Oklahoma State at home, two two in a row against Iowa State, who's the worst team in the conference, second worst team in the conference, and then a win against Kansas State, which is the worst team in the conference. So I think they're coming off momentum, and they're hot, but they've played a bunch of bad teams. I think Texas Tech coming off a loss against West Virginia is going to come out with Vengeance. I think they're going to win this game on the road at Kansas in a close one. I, I just like uh, Mac McClung here at Texas Tech. I think they have a lot of fa- firepower between him, Santa Silva, uh, Kyler Edwards. I mean, I, I just really like Chris Beard's team this year. I like them going into Fog Allen, picking up a huge win this year. Um, only 6 and 5 in conference, the Red Raiders are. So uh, it'd be a big win to get to 7 and 5 in conference, 15 and 6 overall, but definitely excited to watch that one. Yeah. Matt McClung has been incredible. I mean, he's been carrying this Texas Tech team, and he's been awesome to watch. This Texas, Texas Tech team has been fun to watch. Kansas is not going to win the Big 12 this year. I don't remember exactly how many years it's been, but it's it's been a long time since they haven't won the Big 12 regular season. Um, they've been struggling. I don't see them as a legitimate threat, and even in the Big 12 tournament, even though they could get hot late. I also like Texas Tech in this game. This is going to be a fun matchup, though, 2 p.m. on ESPN on Saturday. So, yeah, I mean, I like Texas Tech, too. Here. I'm taking Kansas. Wow. They're due. I'm telling you. They're due. They got the momentum. They're going to come back. And if you look at the next three games that they have for the rest of the season, it's home against Texas Tech, at Texas, and versus Baylor at home. You, you have to think they're going to win one of those. They're not going 0-3 the rest of the way. And I think the, the, the one that they get is home against Texas Tech. That's a good point. I could also see them knocking off Baylor at the end of the season, getting up for that game. I mean, uh, when, also when you're undefeated, not to get in a whole debate about this, it's sometimes good to go into the tournament with a loss. Yeah. We saw that with Kentucky yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> or if they didn't get a loss, and look what happened. Um, all right, so Matt's going with Kansas and being Ben at Texas Tech in this one. We, the lines aren't out yet. It's Friday. So, yeah, the lines haven't been out, but we expect Texas Tech will be slight favorite. Even in Kansas. Could, could, could even be, in, could, I don't know. It could be Kansas, Kansas minus one, maybe minus two. Yeah, right. It'll, it'll, be, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be within two points for your yeah. team. Um, all right, our next matchup is uh, non unranked UConn versus number 10, Nova. Nova's coming off a loss. What do we see in this one? Uh, I mean, it's easy to say I like Villanova, especially coming off a 16 point loss at Creighton where they got embarrassed. Um, but UConn's going to get up for this game. This is an old Big Ten, or Big, excuse me, Big East rivalry. Uh, UConn sitting at 10 and 5, 7 and 5 in the Big East. On the right side of the bubble for now, but they got to keep winning games, got to keep taking care of business. James Booknight is back, which I think with him, the Huskies are a top 25 team in the country. 
Um, so I think this is a better matchup than just an unranked team versus number 10 Villanova in Villanova. Um, I do like Villanova winning this one by a few possessions, but I think it'll definitely be a good game for the most part, uh, just especially coming off a loss. I think uh, Jay Wright's going to have the boys ready to pick up a big win against UConn at home. I think, yeah, I'm going with Villanova, but you mentioned UConn being a top 25 team with James Booknight. That's 100% true. And this is a much better matchup than it looks on paper because there's no number next to Connecticut right now. But if they pick up a win, they're definitely in the top 25. Uh, and, and I just don't see Villanova sliding back-to-back losses here. I think they're much better than that. I think they're Final Four caliber. They are every year. Jay Wright's a Hall of Fame coach. And I think they just get it done at home. And, they, and I could see them winning out, honestly. They have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. Only play Creighton again, who's the only ranked, currently ranked team that they play. Um, and I, I see them splitting that series. I don't, I don't, I don't think Villanova loses twice in a row or to, to the same team twice too many times. Yeah, no. So I think they, they get the job done against Connecticut. Yeah, this this UConn team is is better than people think. I mean, they're they're a good team, and I saw I think recently the Bracketology's like barely had them in the tournament. So this stretch late in the season is really important for UConn to make that push to make the tournament. I think I, I think UConn's going to give Villanova a good game, but this is just such a perfect bounce-back spot for Villanova coming off that somewhat of a big loss. Kind of got manhandled by Creighton there. Um, this is Jay Wright's teams that are this talented, and I really think this they've won two national championships in the last five years, and I really think this team is right up there in terms of talent with Con Gillespie, um, Jer- Jeremiah Robinson Earl. This team is really good, and that Jay Wright has his teams playing best basketball late in February, early into March. This team missed an entire month of a season at one point due to COVID. They had a bunch of complications with that. So I think as they get more games under the belt, you're going to start them. See- you're going to start seeing them play better. I think that happens right here against UConn. I I agree. I don't think they're going to lose to Creighton again. I think they're going to win out. So I like Nova somewhat big in this one. Yeah, I would have liked to see him play Virginia at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. That game got canceled because of their pause, but that would have been a good team to see him go against the nice litmus test there. But still, I'm still on the Villanova train. Yep. Um, all right, our next game is West Virginia versus Texas. Two ranked teams. This is an awesome Big 12 matchup. What do we like? Oh, man. Well, West Virginia's last time out was going to be a week before this game against Oklahoma. A crushing double overtime loss at home. Uh, one of the best games I've seen this season. Uh, I think 12 versus 13 on ABC. You don't get the college basketball game on ABC every, uh, every day. Probably Shulman and uh, Bills would be my guess. But uh, I don't know. I like I like Texas at home in this game. I just think uh, maybe a little motivation for the, uh, the weather that's been happening in Texas. Uh, People, people uh, need need to see their Longhorns get a W. Nah, but uh, in, 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 in all seriousness, I, I think Texas is the better team. I think it'll be a good one. I think Texas pulls away within the last minute or two, but uh, definitely one worth tuning into. Yeah, I'm taking Texas as well. Um, I, I think they're just coming in. They they need they need a win. They've been sliding a little bit. What were they as high as like six or five in the ranking? I think four. Maybe four. Yeah. <clears throat> so. I mean, I'm a big Bob Huggins guy for West Virginia, always. Sorry, not so well. Yeah, one of the best coaches ever in terms of wins. But uh, I'm I'm going with Texas. I just think that they need they need to continue their run and get back to the top. I also have a, a Texas Final Four tweet somewhere, so someone can find that receipt. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love 
I love both these. When was that from? Early in the season? Uh, I think when they when they beat Kansas on the road and they killed them. <clears throat> um, it's looking good now. <laughs> I, I actually think both these teams have the potential to make like a serious, serious run in late March. I would not be shocked if one of these teams in the Final Four. Um, these teams are somewhat similar. I mean, they like to play fast. Um, they put up a decent amount of points. I like West Virginia here. I think I think Texas is really good, but I just I, West Virginia is coming off a brutal over double overtime loss to Oklahoma. I think they're going to bounce back too. This is going to be a really great game. It's the game I'm looking most forward to all weekend, really. Um, but I, I like West Virginia by a possession to him. Next up, we got Virginia um, versus Duke. Struggling, struggling Duke, and we can talk about Jalen Johnson here, who opted out of the season. What do we like in this one? What do we think about the Jalen Johnson situation and our guy, John Rothstein, who we all obviously love, but called him a said he quit. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to kill the kid for his decision, especially one who's younger than us, but it's great. Did he, did he, did he quit? Like, I don't know. This, it, I don't even want to get into it, but <laughs> I know, I know we've had some heated debates, uh, with, with some of our other friends about this, but just looking at this game in general, um, I just think Virginia is going to be too strong for them. Um, Especially Jay Huff with, with no Jalen Johnson, and he's been he's been enjoying a career year for Virginia in the paint and outside from three. Uh, I, I just like Virginia. I think between him, Hauser, Kihei, Clark, uh, Will the ten side that talent. Um, I think it's just going to be a little overpowering for Duke, who in reality just isn't that good this year. Yeah, Duke stinks. Everybody knows it. Jalen Johnson did quit, by the way. I'll get on him for that. I, I, I agree. Come on. I, I'm not going to kill him I disagree. For it. I we talk disagree. about the pandemic and everything. Like, I understand that. But, like, Duke is just not good. And if Duke was good, he'd be playing. That's my but, view on it. But I don't have a problem with him looking at it like, all right, this team isn't good. We probably won't even make the tournament. I'm going to do what's best for myself. Like, well, well, that's that's why they're not good. It's all about himself, you know, the, the mentality of. But no one else is looking out for him. He's got to look out for his NBA career. He's gonna be a somewhat high pay. Yeah, but I don't know. You, you choose to play in college. You should give your, you know, you, you gotta give your time, and then you can leave after that. That's like, I think, so many different players around the nation right now are looking out for their bodies and everything going into the draft, but. A lot of those players are on good teams. They want to keep playing. I think it'd be totally different if Duke was a good team this year. Um, but I think Virginia coming off this big loss, which I didn't expect to Florida State, 21-point loss, I think they come back. And I, I think Duke gets blown out. Yeah, you don't want to face an angry Virginia team. Yeah. No. Just Especially real, with their defense. Yeah. Real quick on the Jalen Johnson thing. I, I understand the sentiment that he quit, but I just – I don't – think it's fair. I mean, it's such a negative connotation. Like, oh, he's a quitter, like, going to the draft. That's, that's a stand on him. Like, oh, he's a quitter. I don't, I don't think that's fair for him when, to make the best decision for himself on a Duke team that he has, in, he has injury history, number one. He only played eight minutes in his last game. Apparently, there's something going on with, between him and Coach K. I don't know. I don't know the truth behind that, but it doesn't look like it, it was the best. I think it was the right decision for him, and that's what matters more than anything else. So I don't think it's fair to get on him like he quit. In terms of this game, uh, Virginia Duke, yeah, I mean, Virginia's coming off a blowout loss, and like you said, you don't want to see an angry Virginia team, especially on defense. I mean, they're way, FSU is really good at Florida State, but they're way better than giving up 81 points to any team. 
So I think you're going to see an angry Virginia defense. Sam Hauser has been incredible. Virginia's a legitimate team. Honestly, between them and Florida State, those are the two favorites to win the ACC. A weak ACC. A very weak ACC. And Duke, they're not going to win the tournament. They better not be. Unless somehow they win the ACC tournament. This is the worst team, Duke team we've seen in years. People are saying, like, oh, Jalen Johnson quit or opted out. They motivated him. They were going two, two straight wins. Wake, they beat Wake Forest and they beat NC State. Not great teams. I'm not buying this late um, push in the season from Duke. They're going to lose to Virginia. They're going to have an early out in the ACC tournament. And there's going to be no Duke in the NCAA tournament this year. All right, to go to our last game of Saturday, and then we'll do one Sunday game. A Big Ten matchup. We have Illinois versus Minnesota. This is a big game for Minnesota in terms of, and really Maryland in terms of who we're going to see in, in that last last four out, last four in bracketology push. Ah, uh, this one's tough because Minnesota. Minnesota's desperate. I mean, they're coming off two straight losses to the Terps and at Indiana, both double-digit losses, and. For the majority of the season, Minnesota has been really, really good at the barn. Their home arena, they've beaten, um, they've beaten there. They've beaten Iowa there. They've beaten Michigan there. They gave Michigan their first loss of the season. <sighs> I mean, I like Illinois. I like the way they've been playing, but I'm gonna go with an upset here. I think Marcus Carr finds a way. One of the best guards in the country. Uh, the, the inside-out duo of him and Liam, Liam Robbins. I think they'll find a way to claw out a, a much-needed win and secure their spot in the tournament, to be honest with you, because this is a tournament team when you look at them all year. They have the talent. Um, not saying they're better by Illinois by any stretch of imagination. I just got to pick one upset. Um, this is my one here. No team has ever made the NCAA tournament without winning a road game. Minnesota has not won a road game yet. I'm interested to see what happens. I mean, they're at home in this game, so that has nothing to do with it, but I think Illinois wins their seventh straight. I think they're too good right now. They're as hot as anyone. They had a little bit of a hiccup against Nebraska going into OT, but Desumu drops 31 in that game. Like, it, I just don't see a scenario that Marcus Carr and Liam Robbins play better than Io Desumu and Kofi Coburn. And that's a phenomenal matchup on the perimeter and at point guard and down low in the paint as well. And I think Robbins has a tendency to get into foul trouble. Kofi's much better than him. I'm, I'm, I think this is a much better matchup than people think, um, just in terms of Marcus Carr, Io DeSumo. That's, in itself, that should be something that everybody wants to watch. And then you add in the centers as well. Um, so I'm excited. I think this one might be one of the better games of the weekend. And I, I just think that number five Illinois right now, they're as hot as anybody in the country. I think they might be as hot as Gonzaga and, and Baylor. It, it, that might be a hot take, considering that they've won 37 straight combined, but Illinois is seven, in, or they've won six in a row now, I think, coming off that loss to Ohio State. They're they're hungry. They're, they want to win out, I'm telling you. They're, they're hot. They're going to win the Big Ten tournament, too. Really? This is my team. We'll see. I, don't, I don't have faith in Brad Underwood like that, to be honest with you, but... Well, this, they have the talent. This is probably his best team that he's yeah, had. 100%. It wouldn't shock me if Illinois the Big Ten. I, I, just, anyway, yeah. I just look at their schedule and it's, just, it's like easy going forward. You have at Minnesota, at Michigan State, twice against Nebraska, and then Wisconsin. Oh, and then they go Ohio State again on the road. So that's that's the tough game that they have left. They have uh, a lot of games left. Yeah. I, I guess probably one of those Nebraska games is a makeup. It looks like the Michigan State games is a makeup as well. Um, I, I, I just think that Io is going to take over again. 
Marcus Carr is probably going to have 30 points, but they're not going to win. And that's, it's going to be it's going to be a tough scene for Minnesota. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this Marcus Carr has been carrying this team, um, maybe more so than an individual player for any other team in the Big Ten. I don't think Minnesota is going to win this game. I think that would be that's a really interesting stat that no team has ever not won a game on the road and made the NCAA tournament. Who would have thought three weeks ago we would be saying Maryland's in a better position than Minnesota right now to make the NCAA tournament? But Maryland beat if it's between those two teams, Maryland has. Maryland beat Minnesota twice. I mean, I think you have to put Maryland in over Minnesota. This, If Minnesota does pull us off, I think this, I mean, they have a ton of games left, so they can't collapse, but it would almost solidify their place in the um, NCAA tournament. I do think Illinois is going to win somewhat big, though. They're really talented. I do think they're going to, I don't know if they're going to win the Big Ten. It's too early for me to say that, the Big Ten tournament, but I think they're going to go on a, late, a nice late-season run. And Illinois is going to get this one done in Minnesota. All right, our last game is a Sunday game. This might be a lot of people's matchup of the weekend. We have Michigan traveling to Ohio State, the two top teams in the Big Ten facing off, two number one seeds in uh, Joe Lenardi's bracketology right now. This is going to be a great game. Yeah, who needs kickoff, said, uh, said John Robinson. <laughs> um, <laughs> one o'clock on CBS, don't know who's on the call. It better be Bill Raftery doing the color. Um, It'll probably be Kevin Harlan or Ian Eagle. With, with Bill Raftery. Yes. We, need, we need a late game. With the kiss. kiss. With the kiss. <laughs> Nickel, we, need whatever. we need a late game on onions here from Bill Raftery. This game will be coming down to the wire. Um, I think Michigan coming back from their uh, pause, winning two in a row. I mean, the, the win at Wisconsin was incredible. I don't know if you guys saw that. And then beating Rutgers last night. Oh, I mean, I like Ohio State at home. I, these two teams. I mean, this is this is what the one time they play all season. That's unfortunate. I feel like they usually play more than once. But um, I do like Ohio State at home to pull this one out uh, in a close game. EJ EJ Liddell has been amazing for the Buckeyes. Him and Dwayne Washington. The Buckeyes. They're going to go as far as those two do. I like Ohio State in a close one at home. Um, maybe they will play again in the Big Ten tournament. I know Michigan also they have some games to make up because uh, they were on pause for a few weeks. I don't know what the deal is there. But um, hopefully these teams play again. I like Ohio State in round one um, at home. I just think that's the difference playing on their own floor. And one of those games that Michigan has to make up is uh, home against Illinois. So that's another top Big Ten matchup that we might see if they are able to reschedule that. Uh, but this game on Sunday, I I think Michigan's due for a loss. Um, and Ohio State is really solid, especially at home. It just it's a matter of how well they shoot the ball, because they're probably going to get killed inside. They don't. They also don't have like Maryland. They don't have that real low post height. I mean, they have six seven. EJ Liddell is great, but nobody's stopping Hunter Dickinson. Right. So it really depends on how Ohio State shoots. Justin Arns lights out, then they, they might win. Um, I'm going to pick Ohio State, and I think that they both stay in the one seed if Ohio State wins. It'll be a close game regardless. Yeah. yeah Michigan, I think, is the best team in the Big Ten, hands down. It's really impressive what they've done this year. And even those three weeks that they were off because of – wasn't even them that had COVID, but the state, but that's a different thing. Um, so they were off for three weeks. Coming back, I – did not expect they were down big to Wisconsin. I expected them to lose to Wisconsin. They they had that crazy comeback, ended up winning by eight, and then they went on to beat a good Rutgers team. I mean, this Michigan team is incredibly impressive. Juwan Howard is Juwan Howard is doing an amazing year. Phil Martelli, 
who's a longtime head coach of St. Joe's, right by his side. They're, they're the best team in the Big Ten. I think they're the favorites in the Big Ten. But Ohio State is good, and like you said, Ohio State's really good at home, and it's it's in Ohio. I, I'm going to take Ohio State in this one, but it doesn't mean I, I think it's going to be a really close game back and forth. High scoring, but I don't expect – but I, I do expect Ohio State to win. But I still think Michigan is the best team in the Big Ten and should be the favorites going into um, the Big Ten tournament. And they have – I mean, I don't know how many of those games – we're running out of time here. I don't know how many of those games are going to be um, um, rescheduled that were postponed, but they still play Iowa. They have Indiana, which isn't an easy win. If Illinois gets rescheduled, then they have that. So we're still going to see a lot more Michigan against talented teams and potentially – yeah, we'll see. yeah, another tough decision for uh, Kevin Moore to make. He's he's been on the fan side. So. What nah, in terms nah, of rescheduling? Nah, I'm, being, I'm being sarcastic. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm really back to the football season. <laughs> Big Ten drops the ball every step of the way. <laughs> All right, picks of the weekend now. Ooh, I mean, I'll no, go first, I guess. Yeah, I'm picking Illinois over Minnesota. I don't know what the spread is or anything, but they're gonna win. And Illinois, Illinois is good. It's tough for me. I got to scout it out. No lines yet. It's hard with no lines. But um, (laughs) I'm going to be taking a pick tonight. Um, A story in mid-major basketball that not a lot of people have talked about. A program that is in the discussion in March every single year. Winthrop sitting at 19-1, 16-1 in the Big South. One of the best mid-majors year after year. I'm going to have them going into high point. Favored by nine. I'm going to have them winning that game by 20. That's a... It's a great pick. You gotta show the mid major some love yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Belmont. Love Belmont too. Well, we can talk about them. They'll they're, be in the they're always in the yeah, tournament. We know yeah, they're always in tournament time. Um, my pick of the week, I'll have one tonight when there is a line. I'm gonna take Dayton plus five against St. Louis. St. Louis is really good and probably gonna come out that eight ten. But Dayton Dayton's having a really solid season even after the like, yeah, I mean, compared to last year, it's not as good of a season when they had Obi Toppin, but I think they're a solid team. I expect Dayton to cover at least and maybe win outright tomorrow, as in, which is Saturday. I'm going to go Virginia. Uh, we don't know the line, but whatever the line is, I'm taking Virginia over Duke. I expect it. So I guess maybe like be five or six. You think more? I think eight or nine. Eight or nine. Oh, I think they're going to win by double digits, so I'm, I would still take that. We'll see when that line comes out. That's a wrap on the Collegiate Chaos Podcast. This was a long one. We had a lot to discuss after a long hiatus, but we're back. We'll be dropping weekly episodes every Friday. Thanks for listening. This was Collegiate Chaos presented by WMUC Sports.